What's up, my guys? You're listening to another episode of Quick Hits. My name is Blake Pace. Today is Tuesday, February 25th. We are sitting here at the cusp of the NFL Combine uh, taking place. We had some, some measurements come in yesterday, more measurements coming in today, drills coming in later this week. Lots to go around the draft. There'll be some... My biggest thing with, with the Combine... There's going to be so much bullshit thrown out. So you really have to sift through the guys that you trust. Um, and really that stems to the guys that you trust, that you believe they have enough trustworthy people around their circle. You know, a lot of reporters, um, there are certain guys that I follow, and you want to make sure that you think that the guys that they're talking to are actually authentic. So you're not just trusting guys that you like listening to, but guys that you think, okay, When they say they have sources, those are reliable sources. Um, You know, one guy in particular, I always think about um, in terms of this, because I may not always agree with what he says. I think his show may be a little tacky at times, but when it comes to to sources, this guy's got legit ones, and and that's our guy Colin Cowherd. I mean, I think even as close with the Colts, uh, to my knowledge, he's he's got a pretty good relationship with the general manager, Chris Ballard. So um, in that Colts organization, he's got a lot of sor- sources there. And he's been right about a few things coming out through, through, through the years when it's close and with his sources. Now, like I said, some of his show may be a little crazy sometimes. He may have some outlandish takes. But when he says trusted sources, he's got some pretty legit guys. So I look for guys like that when information will be coming out. Um, I guess spilling from this week up until the, the draft when it comes to, to this, uh, this draft class. Um, not only finding guys that you enjoy listening to, but guys that you think you can trust their sources, the ones that they're in contact with on a daily basis. Um, so that's my, my just, um, quick impressions of the combine. I'm not going to dive too much into the prospects yet. Of course, we'll talk about the combine when it's all wrapped up at the end of the week and maybe, you know, early next week's podcast will be, you know, kind of big takeaways from the combine. Um, one of the first things that I wanted to talk about today, because we haven't gotten a chance to discuss it yet, is the uh, proposed new CBA, um, which includes a, a handful of things, um, some good, some bad. Um, the the biggest eye-popping ones um, to come out so far, the extension of the regular season to 17 games, cutting the preseason down to just three, um, and then also including two extra teams into the NFL playoffs. Those are the, the main ones I'm going to hit on today. So first, let's start with the easy one, the preseason. Look, I, I think there should be zero preseason games. Now, of course, you want to get live action in there. Um, but when I take a look at the preseason, you know, that, that fourth game that they're hoping to get rid of is an absolute waste. I completely agree. Um, it's, it's kind of known through, through the NFL that you play your starters for, for the third game. And, and not the full third game. And then the fourth one is those scrubs, those last guys trying to make the roster. Um, you know, even the first two really don't have that much value to it. You'll get some rookies out there. You'll get your young guys that you get to see. My whole thing with the preseason, I, I want to get guys up to speed. At the same time, I, I don't like the injuries that come out of it. You know, ACL epidemic. You know, you got those guys that... And, and this extends into training camp as well, too. So it's not just to say that, you know, it's only happening because of the preseason, but... You're in the risk of so many injuries. I remember so many guys getting banged up uh, over the last even even three uh, preseasons in games. I remember OBJ a couple of years ago. Um, some guy tried taking out his ankle in the preseason, and he dealt with ankle injuries that entire season because of it. 
and, and that's one of the game's top performers at his position. And, and we had to go into the season a little worried about, you know, getting to see one of the best playmakers in football. So um, preseason itself, I think we can not do away with, but maybe uh, cut it down a few games. I, I understand getting rid of the fourth. It's completely useless. And maybe this is the start of getting rid of more preseason games. Um, so that one's an easy one to dive into. Uh, the extension of the 17th game. Look, I'm not going to argue that we shouldn't have more football. Um, the The weird thing to me with the 17th game is these current contracts and how they're going to cap. They, they want to cap the 17th game uh, of, of game contracts or the, the game checks to 250000 which... Um, is a good amount of cash for, for a majority of the league, but you've got those highest-end players that are making way more than that through the first 16 games. Then you're asking them to go out to a 17th game and only make you know a fraction. I think a guy like Aaron Rodgers, his contract is up toward... God, I want to say it's 40... 40 he, he's making way more than $250,000 a game. Um, and those highest-paid quarterbacks that are in the 30 to $40 million range, they're all getting paid more than $250,000 per game. Um, so you're asking these guys to go out there to play a game that, that wouldn't be meaningless because of course it would be four playoff spots. It'd give an extra chance for, for teams to, to really fight for the battle to get in there. But you're asking all these guys to go out there, put their bodies on the line at a fraction of, of, of the payout that they'd be getting through the first 16. Um, I'm not a huge proponent of that. And I think that's why we've seen, you know, the CBA talks have stalled a little bit. Uh, the players, um, should be meeting later today, I guess. Uh, the, the NFLPA and, and the NFL um, is supposed to to discuss CBA talks throughout the week at the scouting combine or the, the draft combine um, as early as later today. And so, of course, we'll have updates on this throughout the week. But, I mean, I mean one of the biggest reasons is these players are, are obviously taking a look at, at these proposed league changes and saying, hold on a second, I'm making way more than $250,000 a game or or – you know, while the majority of the league may not be, you know, some of your some of the top end talents who probably have the most outspoken voices in the league are saying, hold on a second. Now I'm supposed to take a pay cut just because the NFL wants to profit on millions more by hosting another home game, more TV rights, um, more merchandising. All of that. The NFL is just feasting on this extra game. And the NFL players are supposed to take, you know, a a capped game check. So, in the end with this, I'm not entirely sure how I think it plays out. Um, I think that the players are probably very okay with, with losing that fourth preseason game, the 17th regular season game. I'm not entirely sure how they'll be able to hammer that out. I think they, they have to go back and say that it just needs to be an extension of what they're currently making, and that would, of course, raise the salary cap. It would raise their current contracts. It would be, you know, on a per-17 game basis, and, of course, those contracts are already signed, so you'd have to have an overarching agreement to extend that, and I'm not sure how complicated that would be, but that seems to be the, one of the, the ways that if, if, the, if the owners want a 17th game, you got to pay the players just like it's the first 16. I, I wouldn't understand why the players would accept anything less than that. Um, so that's my, my thoughts on the regular season game. I'd love a 17th regular season game. Sure. Why not? Give me more football. 
you know, that, that last regular season game is always a little bit of a wash. Half the teams are resting guys for the playoffs and things like that. So that would end up making week week 17 the game where everybody is, is, is putting out their last efforts. And then week 18, of course, would be kind of that week. So it's just an extra week. Give it a shot. Fight for those playoff spots. Make things a little bit more interesting. Um, now I want to move into the into one of the things that I, I, I don't like with, with rule changes and and um, changing the game and stuff like that is is the the way it tinkers with stats, um, the way it alters NBA history or NFL history when we take a look at it at the end of the day. Um, the players, you know, throughout I mean throughout the NFL we've been playing 16 game regular seasons. And all of these stats are based off of 16 games. You know, you think of, you know, most touchdowns in a season, most passing yards in a season, you know, for, for sacks. All of those stats are measured on a per 16 game basis. It's it's what did you accomplish in 16 games? Now to extend that to the 17th, you're giving guys like, you know, a Patrick Mahomes another chance to, to break the passing yards record or the passing touchdowns record and all things like that. You've got some of the, you know, the the best players in the game are going to be given an extra game to say, okay, no, I have the most passing yards in the season. Well, if you accomplished it in 17 games, if it took you to that last game of the season to get it, you weren't able to do it in 16 games, how much value does that really hold? Uh, So you're you're altering kind of the history of the NFL, and you're changing up and muffling up, um, you know, what, what actually is the greatest season of all time. Or, or you take a look at careers, you know, Drew Brees right now, after playing 16 regular season games his entire career, now has the most passing yards in, in NFL history. Now, if you've got a guy like Patrick Mahomes who would spend the majority of his career playing 17 games, and, you know, he may be able to accomplish it on a 16-game average uh, by the end of his career, but say he's playing the majority of his career in 17 games, and all of a sudden he is now the leading passer um, in, in total yards in NFL history, what is that not, you know, you're losing kind of the value in what Drew Brees accomplished in 16 games in a, a season. So, um, not entirely something I, just a, just another thing that popped into my head. I wasn't really planning on thinking about that. It kind of just came away that you're kind of altering the history of the NFL when you take a look at it like that. Um, so the regular season, I'm not entirely sure what to think of. Um, I'm, I'm kind of on and off about it. I think if the players want to if the players are able to get, uh, you know, meet their get their demands met, where they're being paid just like it was in, you know, the first sixteen games, and I'm all for it. Love more football, um, but I I think that it does tinker, I guess, and alters alters NFL history. So you have to consider that as well too, when paying respect to the greats that came before um, those that are playing in, in 2020 and moving forward. So really good with the, with the preseason, shortening that up. I'm okay with the NFL regular season if they've got to uh, tinker it. Um, if, they, if they, you know, I, I can go either way with the regular season. If it stays at 16, I'm fine with it. If it goes to 17, great. If they can work it out where the players are getting paid and compensated the way that they should be, perfect. The playoffs, I'm not too in love with. Um, and I know that there's a lot of... There's been a lot of back and forth over the last week or so uh, since this news broke about the playoff structure. Obviously, that being a seventh team gets in from each conference. Uh, just the first overall seed gets a bye, so you eliminate the second bye. Those two through seven seeds play uh, on Wild Card Weekend. You have six games then. Then it opens up, of course, to the next rounds later on. Um, 
my first thing with this and my and my biggest thing with why I like the NFL playoffs more than I do, you know, basketball, um, is I like I like the playoffs to be an elite group of talents. I want it to be an honor, and and I want a, a, a successful team to make the postseason. Um, the NBA, you get at least one or two teams in the Eastern Conference alone. Sometimes you get one in the Western Conference as well, too. Teams that make the playoffs are the losing record. They've got 30 teams in their league. 16 make the playoffs. And every year we've got a team that that earns a playoff spot without a winning record. And that just blows my mind. You know, biggest complaints with the NBA is, is that we're allowing teams who are losers in the regular season, losers. They lost more than they won, and somehow they get in the playoffs. Now, obviously, an eight seed with a losing record, they never lose to, they, they never beat the one seed. So it's like, okay, they're in there for four or five games at most. They see their way out. But still, you're rewarding that team for making the playoffs despite being losers over the course of an 82 game regular season. I don't I don't like that. I don't I don't like the NBA playoff structure. I think it's uh you know, those final two spots in the Eastern Conference it's like a participation trophy. And all of a sudden you're getting in into the postseason after losing more games than you won to make the postseason to have a chance to fight for the championship for the NBA title. You can be a loser over the course of 82 games and still get a chance to, to be in the playoffs. You can hang a banner up, made the postseason as a loser. You know, in the NFL, you may get a 7-9 and nine team that makes the wild card. More times than not, you don't. It'd be really tough. And we almost got it in the NFC East this year where it was a really bad division. I think they ended up 8-8, eight and eight, so, so they, you know, the... Um, Eagles were able to get in there, but what I what I like so much about the six teams is that okay, there's twelve spots. That's that's an elite group. You have to be elite to get in there. You have to at least be elite in your division, be the best team in your division. You have to beat out three teams to secure your division. Or you have to be an 11-5, and 10-6 team that doesn't win the division and gets in as a wild card. I just like that it's an elite group. And now, extending it to 14, you're still giving it a little bit... Um, it's, still, it's still elite. Not as much. You still don't have half the league getting in. And to be, and to be quite honest, you, if you go over the last 10 years, you wouldn't have had a team with a below 500 record getting in to the playoffs. If, if they had expanded... This playoff setting, if they had allowed 14 teams to get in over the last 10 years, there wouldn't have been a single team with a losing record to get that final wild card spot. There would have been some 10 and 6 teams, 9 and 7, and a few 8 and 8s in there as well, too. So I don't want I don't want to say that expanding it to 14 is going to allow losers to get in, because obviously in the last decade, that wouldn't have been the case. There wouldn't have been a single loser to get in there. There wouldn't have been there have been some teams that weren't winners, you know, teams that went 500, but they were still able to get in there. So I don't want to say that expanding it to 14 is going to be a detriment to rewarding winners, but I think there's I think there's enough there's more than enough spots to get into the playoffs. You know, you have 6 games a year against teams in your division. 
More times than not, if you are if you have the best divisional record, more times than not, you're going to win that division. So boom, job number one, take care of your division. You've most likely got a spot in the playoffs. And you won your division in most cases. That's step number one. If you don't say your division is extremely great, and this happened two years ago with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. Both were extremely good teams. Both won 11 or 12 or so games. But because the Chargers were so good, they got a wild card spot. Um, oh, and if they didn't get that top wild card spot, say they went 10 and 6 instead of 11 and 5, they would have gotten that second wild card spot. I just. I, I get why the NFL is putting this out. They want more money. They're the greediest motherfuckers in the game, these NFL owners. They sit on fat wads of cash every day. And their goal is just to make more. I get it. If I had that much money, I'd say, okay, what ways can I make more money? But my problem with this extends into into how greedy the owners can get a little bit. And this goes to the regular season as well, too, and and all the proposed changes. Did you know that you have to have three active years in the NFL to just get five years of health insurance on the NFL? Meanwhile, in a league like Major League Baseball, where there are way more players, if you consider the minor leagues and all that sort, just making it into the NBA, you get lifetime health insurance for you and your family. And I'm not here to pit pit the NBA owners against uh, you know the MLB owners, but the NFL owners are extremely greedy. There are a lot of things that they do not do right. The game is not safe enough for their players. They're asking them to go out there and beat themselves senseless for non-guaranteed contracts. I have a huge list of problems with the NFL owners. So it's tough to me when I see these proposed rule changes and I only see it really benefiting one side. You know, the owners are going to make so much more money and the commissioner as well too. I mean, they're all... Go, the NFL is going to make so much money off of a 17th week in the regular season and two extra wildcard games. It's going to make ridiculous amounts of money. And it will be enjoyable too. That's an extra week of football we get to watch. And those two playoff games as well too. Wildcard weekend with six games sounds amazing. But at the end of the day, I'm tired of these NFL owners just taking and taking and taking and expecting the players to give up the bare minimum of what they deserve. So the players with the playoff side of things, yeah, two franchises or, or you know, two extra teams a year are going to be given a chance to make the playoffs. And that's great. We, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we haven't had really a wild card team, you know, make that crazy run into the Super Bowl since I believe the Ravens did it back in 2012. So more times than not, those division winners, those top seeds are making the Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, you're not really putting those guys at, at risk for a team that may have gone 8-8, eight and eight, but it, that makes the game more exciting. That, that, that's not my point here. I just think that there needs to be more good to come out of this for the players if they're going to be able to sign off on this. Because it, to me, it's just the greedy NFL trying to, to thicken its pockets even more and... Um, and for a league that has shown time after time that it doesn't value its players nearly as much as Major League Baseball, as the NBA, um, I, I think that, that the players should really stand, 
stand strong against this. And, and if it means that a CBA doesn't get agreed upon for a while, then so be it. Because I, I believe the NFL players need to show their worth. And if they back down to things like this and allow this to happen, next time the CBA comes around, it's going to be just as bad. Or the owners are going to try and take more and more from the players without giving them what they deserve. So those are kind of uh, my 20 minutes of thoughts uh, on the proposed rule changes. Um, I, I want more football. I think more football would be great but not at the expense of of devaluing what the players are worth in the league. And and like I said, the NFL owners, they, they piss me off with how greedy they can be. Um, and I think that if the players are smart, if the Players Association is smart, they will fight back for, um, you know, the normal salary that they would, you know, the normal game checks extended into the 17th week or into the 17th game. Um and for the playoffs, I guess there's not much for them to fight back on. But um, I guess to an extent as well, they're, you know, playoff bonuses, things like that, et cetera, for making the postseason. Um, I don't know. I, I just think the players need to really fight back for what they deserve because the NFL is just going to keep taking and taking from them until they've got nothing. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, few other things I wanted to talk about. News actually came out this morning before I started recording, so I'm glad I am here to um, to discuss it. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are going to be moving forward with Cam Newton into next season as their starting quarterback. New head coach Matt Rule, new offensive coordinator Joe Brady. A lot of changes in Carolina. New owner, the Ron Rivera era coming to an end. Um, they're committing to Cam Newton as their quarterback for the 2020 season. They have seen uh, his rehab and, and, you know, word on the street is, is that he should be healthy and ready to go for the next season. So a couple of things, uh, you know, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago I discussed what the future quarterback options are for the Carolina Panthers. The only option for me was Cam Newton. I don't think that they should rush to draft a quarterback this year. I think if they are expecting maybe this first year is going to be a little bumpy, keep your quarterback because there are two ones next year that will be better than any quarterback in this draft class, and that's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So while I love a lot of guys in this draft class, um, and I think there are at least four guys that will be good starting quarterbacks, if not better, um, I think for the Panthers, they've already got their quarterback. They've already got a quarterback there that is a former MVP um, has made a Super Bowl appearance in his career. Talented guy. Injuries have kind of derailed it. He's been hit or miss ever since that MVP season. But if you already know that you're going to go into next season with a little bit of a shaky start, why not just see how good or how bad you can be with Cam? And if it goes bad, like I would probably assume it would, then go and get one of those great quarterbacks that will be available next year. And obviously the one that just sticks out, take the Carolina kid, keep them in in the home state, um, and draft a Clemson guy in Trevor Lawrence. Now, of course, you have to be the worst team there, but if you take a look, some of the worst teams around the league, who's going to be really looking for a quarterback? If Cincinnati takes Joe Burrow and they're just as bad next year, they're not going to move on from Joe Burrow. The Redskins may be someone around there if Dwayne Haskins is is not the answer. But they seem pretty committed to him, and he showed some development late in the season that thinks maybe, okay, maybe he can be the future guy. 
trying to think of some of the other worst teams. We expect um, we expect Miami to draft a quarterback. We'll talk about this in a second, but now I expect the Los Angeles Chargers to draft a quarterback. The Colts should. When it comes to teams that I think are going to be at the top of the draft, I think, you know, unless Detroit decides to move on from Matt Stafford after next year and and select a quarterback, they might be the biggest competition for a guy like Trevor Lawrence. So I think this is a good spot for the Panthers. I think taking a look at draft fallout, um, they're sitting around pick six right now, I believe seven. There are going to be a few good guys available for them, especially because I believe some of these other teams ahead of them are going to draft quarterbacks, trade up for quarterbacks. Um, I think they could get, you know, probably in that spot, they're going to be available for Isaiah Simmons, another Clemson guy, actually, which would actually be the first Clemson guy drafted by the Panthers in how long? Is it franchise history? Is it the last decade? Either way, the Panthers have gone a long time, if not, the entirety of their franchise's history without drafting a Clemson player. Now, they've brought in some undrafted free agents, some local guys. Yes, drafted a Clemson player. Hasn't really happened. Um, So they'd be able to get a freakish linebacker like Isaiah Simmons if he's available there. Um, They could take an offensive lineman. They could take a defensive tackle like a a Derek Brown from Auburn. Um, But I think for the Panthers, if you know that your big thing is going to be offense next year and and your top guys, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, they're offensive gurus, I think it's a a great idea to see what you can do with what's around you in that first year. Draft and stockpile to build up on that defense in the draft this year. Get some young skill players maybe in the mid-rounds because it's a deep wide receiver class and it's a deep offensive line class as well too. And then if things don't go right with Cam next year, obviously you can move on from him and take a quarterback um, at the top of the draft. So Panthers fall. I think this is the right situation to move forward with, with Cam as the quarterback, at least for next season. Evaluate what you can accomplish with him. If it's not enough to to build a winning team, then okay, you spent last spent last offseason really filling out that draft, building out the offensive line. Now the situation is better for the next quarterback to come in. So the impact that this has, uh, just taking a look, Around that top 10 of the draft, I think it's pretty clear now that the Los Angeles Chargers uh, should um, move forward, uh, trade up in the draft to select Tua Tungavailoa. Um, I think if they want to go as far as three with Detroit, I think Detroit has already come out and said they they wouldn't be opposed to a trade-back scenario. So if the Chargers can offer a, a bundle of picks to get up to number three, um, or even to the Giants at number four, if, if, if uh, the Lions are set on taking you know Jeff Okuda at corner, Trade up to the third or fourth pick, and then go ahead and uh, and take Tua. Um, you're jumping the Dolphins. And look, I'll have a lot of conversations later on through the process. I really don't think that the Dolphins see Tua as their number one option. I really think they're in love with Justin Herbert. I think they'll be perfectly fine with taking Justin Herbert at five. No team has done more work throughout the 2019 college football season on Justin Herbert than the Miami Dolphins. To me, it seems like he's he's going to be their guy. But for some reason, it's just thrown out there that he's obviously going to they're obviously going to take Tua. So then Chargers pull the trigger. They trade up for, for Tua um, at three or four. And for the Chargers, I think that makes complete sense. You need someone, a popular face 
to develop a fan base around here. And I've, we've talked about this on, on plenty of episodes. They don't have a fan base in L.A. Now with Phillip Rivers, the face of that franchise is gone and not coming back to the Chargers. You need that new face to, to re-engage a non-existent fan base to hopefully develop one in Los Angeles. If not, you got to move. You got to move again. If it becomes a Rams town and the Chargers can't get anything going in L.A., you got to move. Don't just sit there and, and just waste away. Find a, find a city that'll embrace your fan base. Go to St. Louis. They'd love to have a franchise back. Um, but that's that's not the point. What they need to do this offseason is find the next face of the franchise. It is desperate, desperation mode because their fan base is dwindling by the second. Uh, to me, Tua, the Alabama kid, a beloved guy, a, a prototype for the face of the franchise, I think that's the right move to go forward with. Um, so now that you know that the Panthers are out of the running and drafting a quarterback in the first round, I think it's clear that the path for the Chargers is to trade up, to jump the Dolphins, because everyone for some reason thinks that the Dolphins are going to take Tua. Um, I think that, you know, maybe they want to jump other teams that may be trying to jump the Dolphins to draft Tua. I think there'd be a lot of teams maybe that want to. Um, but for the Chargers to move up, you know, a couple of spots, to give up a couple picks later on, it kind of reminds me of, you know, what the um, what the Jets gave the Colts to take Sam Darnold. Um, obviously, the Colts drafted extremely well with those picks um, that were traded there. And one way or the other, the Colts got really good building blocks. The Jets have what they believe is their franchise quarterback, even though I'm not entirely sure. Um, but now that you know that the Panthers are moving forward, the Chargers jump, take their face of the franchise, in doing so, then the Dolphins can say, oh, well, Justin Herbert falls right into our laps at pick five. We were going to take him anyways, which is just I, my belief. I, I, I know some others that, that feel the same way as well, too. Um, and we'll talk about all the quarterbacks over the next few months as I get more film study in and things like that. But um, I feel really confident in that path where, where the Panthers are going to stick forward with Cam draft defensively, build an offensive line so the next face of the franchise or the next franchise quarterback comes in and has a little bit better of a situation than what Cam may have next year as as Rule and Brady are trying to figure out the NFL. Let them get their feet underneath them and then bring them, bring in your, your next quarterback. Um, it also helps that Cam has, you know, been around the block for a while and can offer some sort of stability uh, to rule in Brady, even though he's dealt with injuries and consistencies. He's a guy that's been around the league for, for quite some time now. Um, so that'll be a good relationship there as well, too. And then the draft fallout from it, Chargers trade up, get to a, you need, you need, need, need that face of the franchise. Um, and so building forward like that will, will be a huge step forward for them. So that's kind of my plan on now how I see that top quarterback fallout. I, of course, I still think Joe Burrow to the Bengals um, until we find out maybe later this week that he says he doesn't want to play there. That'll be interesting to monitor all of his comments. But really the way I see it now, and I'm just going to give you, I guess, my my top five picks just now is Burrow to Cincinnati, Chase Young to the Washington Redskins at number two, Chargers trade up to number three, take Tua Tungavailoa. And number four, the Giants. Personally, I would go Jeff Okuda since he'd be available at that point. They might go Jedrick Willis. They might go... Andrew Thomas, a lot of offensive lineman options there as well, too. Pick your choice. I'm in the number five. The Dolphins say, oh, no, 
We didn't get Tua. Well, we wanted Justin Herbert all along, so we're going to take him at number five anyways. So that's kind of my impressions on, on, on the fallout of the Panthers sticking with Cam Newton. I think that's just, um, I think we've, we've pretty much almost got our top five set as long as the Chargers make that move. So that'll wrap up today's episode. Talking a little NFL draft, talking some NFL league uh, rule changes. It's going to be an interesting next next couple of months, of course. We're approaching the start of March. Free agency is upon us uh, in just a couple of weeks, the draft toward the end of April. So I'm really excited to move forward and, and, and share some content with you guys, get some interviews out there with some some um, some scouts that I that I have connected with over the years and, and move forward putting on some good content for you all. So make sure to follow me over on social at Twitter at BlakeAndrewPace. Uh, check out my work at Stampede Blue. Uh, SB Nation's page for the Indianapolis Colts. Make sure to uh, leave a five-star um, rating on the show. Leave a review. Share it with your friends. Let them know what's up, what we're doing over here. Um, thank you guys so much again for listening. My name is Blake Pace. You're listening to Quick Hits. And I'll talk to you tomorrow, Wednesday, February 26th. Peace. <laughs>